Good morning. Be uh, make our way to Hebrews chapter twelve in just a few minutes. It is. I know I say this every week. It's great to see everyone, but uh, it is an awesome thing to see people who are like-minded um, in a world that seems uh, chaotic. And I guess to some degree, it's always been that way ever since the beginning. God shows up and brings order to the chaos, uh, and He gives us many choices, one of those being where we choose to be on Sunday morning. And uh, I don't take for granted uh, your choice to be with us. Uh, We vote with our feet, uh, and so we uh, show that. You know, people a lot of times will be like, well, you probably think uh, the Church of Christ is the best place to be. I said, well, obviously, that's where I go every Sunday. If I didn't think it was... For me, I'd probably be somewhere else. It just seems to be obvious. Um, That's not a statement on anybody else. It's just my choice, and it's everybody's choice. And so a lot of times when people say that, I'm like, well, that's kind of obvious. You know, let's let's look at something a little less obvious maybe. Uh, But it is not lost on me that you choose to be here uh, when you could be anywhere else. And uh, we hope that as you leave, you'll be encouraged, uh, lifted up, uh, and understanding that, that God is for you. And truly, the question then becomes, if he's for us, then who can be against us? Um, when we think of, and, and I was struck uh, by when we read Hebrews 12 earlier in the New Living Translation, it says that he initiates and perfects. And it's an important thing to understand the initiation. We all want to be chosen. I remember when I was in high school... And I would have friends who were a little fearful of talking to that girl. They knew I had no fear of talking. (laughs) And so they would come to me and go, hey, would you go talk to so-and-so for me? Maybe get her number or whatever. And I always was like, if I'm going over there, I'm going to get her number. I'm I'm not working for you. I'm not out for hire, you know. And so there is this importance to initiation. And I think that uh, that's bore out in, in the other translations. You know, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. But, you know, that initiation, uh, that there was something that he valued in us to start this, right? We give, and you can go to Hebrews 11, and we give Abraham a ton of credit. And, and I think rightfully so. But he would have not known to go anywhere had God not initiated that. Uh, We live and worship in a God-to-man religion. He has reached out to us. He has told us what is acceptable in His sight. And our mere response to that is either to do what He told us to do. We we don't have anything that we can do that we've come up with, some creative way. We have our traditions and we have things that are expedient for us, ways in which we think uh, that we can add value, and that's due to the liberty he's given us. He says, hey, these are the, the parameters, and within that you have a ton of liberty and a ton of freedom to kind of do the things the way you want to do them, as long as you don't require everyone else to do it that way. We have a ton of freedom. But even that, even liberty itself, is initiated by God. We even say it in our most precious uh, documents you know, that we are created in the image of a God, that, that we've been created equally. It doesn't mean we come into equal circumstances. It just means that we've been given a soul stamped by the image of the Creator, and then we have a ton of freedom and liberty to do with that what we wish. 
And I can't imagine being God in the flesh. Can you imagine Jesus walking around on this earth, knowing all that he knew, knowing all, knowing all the things that were wrong in the earth, and in some shape, form, or fashion, not only putting up with us, putting up with all that was wrong in the world, but dying so that we could have an opportunity to be more perfect, to be really perfected in the sight of a just and righteous God. I've come to the conclusion that every time I shake my fist at wrong in the world, and, and rightfully so, it's, it's not wrong to be angry. We can be angry and sin not. That's something that we have the ability to do. It's, it's hard to strike that, that zone, but it is something that we can do and is perfected even more in the Holy Spirit. I think of a God who's just and righteous that knows it all. And yet, as Paul says so eloquently, he winked at our ignorance. He winks at our ignorance, much like we look at children and wink at the things that they enjoy that maybe we don't care too much about anymore because we've moved past it. But then he follows that up with, he calls all men to repentance. He calls all men. I, I, you know, there's not a whole lot of things in the world today that we can say all to. And all, in all situations, this is how it's supposed to be. And I think to some degree, that would be overwhelming if everything always had to be the same. But yet, God, in the, in the most loving things, He's all in. Think about God, and we look at Psalm 23, and, and we look at uh, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Think of the very few things in the world today that are untouchable. There have been records in athletics that people thought that will never be touched in their day and age. And now they're past their time. They've been broken forever. Think about our own youth, right? Think of our own beauty that I must have had so much of that has now passed along. Everything is touchable. Everything is corruptible. Everything moves on. And yet we can look to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We actually have it more tangible than David himself ever really truly experienced. And a lot of times we look back and go, oh man, to do the things that David did. And once again, he's looking in these passages to a day where he could have what we so often take for granted. In the psalm that was read earlier, Psalm chapter 37 and, and verse 40, the very last verse, and this is, a, this is one of those psalms that is written in, uh, we can't tell in English, but in Hebrew, every stanza starts with a letter of their alphabet to help them remember it. This would have been one of those, like I said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. It would have been a psalm that they would have sang over and over and over again to the point that they would remember it based on the alphabet. And we don't, once again, in English, we don't get that benefit. But in the Hebrew, it's there in verse 40, the Lord helps them, right? He, it, he perfects and delivers them. He initiates and perfects them. He delivers them from their wicked and saves them because they take refuge in their abilities, their talents, their bank account, their education, the clothes that they wear, the cars they drive, the house they live in? No, because they take refuge in Him. How can we read John 6 just a few minutes ago when Jesus says, you will never thirst 
Well, I'll be thirsty probably before I get done up here. I'll certainly be hungry before the day's out. What he's talking about is perspective. He's talking about what David says there in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Our priority shift. And as we continue this journey through our Christian walk, our priorities shift. There are things that concern me deeply a mere five years ago that now I scoff at. Like, how could you have ever been so consumed with that? It's not even a blip on the radar now, much less 20 years ago. This makes it difficult, right, teaching teenagers. Because every day they come in with something and it's their whole entire world and you're like trying to, you know, walk with them in that journey without going, hey, dude, you really need to get over this. Like, this really doesn't matter in the long run. Like, you shouldn't care that much. Because I'm sure there's times where the Holy Spirit's like, hey, dude, you're 41. This, this should not be that big a deal anymore. It's time to move on. It's time to let go of those things because you can't control them anyways. And yet we get to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. And the rest of our time we'll spend over there uh, with maybe one more trip back to the Psalms if I don't forget to do that. Hebrews 11 is all about those people, right? We've had VBSs after VBSs after VBSs. And there are certain characteristics of the people of the Old Testament that we should seek after. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I remember growing up, going to VBSs, going away thinking, man, if I could just be like those people. And really the entire Old Testament, certainly Psalms, is them looking to our day and going, man, to be in the presence of God 24-7, to have an avenue to God, to be able to be in the temple, a virtual temple, all the time is where we want to be. You think about David who sat on the throne of God. And he looks to the day and age where this presence of God, he wanted to build a temple with everything he had. And the answer was no. You won't won't build me one. Your son will, but you won't. Because of some of the mistakes that he had made. And I think that's one of the difficult things growing older is you go, man, look at all the peace and joy and love that I missed out on because I was too hard-hearted, too hard-headed and that prayer soon becomes, Lord, just, just help me to be brokenhearted over the things that break your heart. Help me to be excited about the things that excite you. I've oftentimes thought of Jesus in that temple turning over the tables going, what in the world could possibly have made him that upset? I mean, the man later, just a few days later, would have nails driven into his hands and just accept his fate. Just accept it. And what was it? It was mistreatment of the poor, right? It was what the prophets had been yelling about for hundreds of years. Hey, stop mistreating the poor. God is with the brokenhearted. And yet here you are price gouging them over the things I've commanded them to do. You're making them pay way too much money for things that they can barely afford to begin with because I have commanded them to be acceptable in my sight. You have to make these sacrifices. So I look at that and I go, Lord, help me to be angry about the things that you're angry about, to be consumed about the things that you deem important. Because so much of my life has been spent chasing things that are just not important. When we're surrounded by people who don't know a loving God, who can initiate and perfect the things 
that are the most important. And, the, and Satan, the accuser, loves keeping us like that tail. Chasing our tail. Like that little dog in the video. This is really important. You should be so mad about this that you lose sleep over it. I can't believe outrageous people are doing outrageous things. You should consume yourself with this 24-7 so that you forget that your main goal is to love these people. And sometimes loving them certainly involves being upset with them and letting them know that this is not what God would have them to do. But we've got to love them first. We've got to show them that we are invested. And nothing shows investment like initiating the conversation, initiating those feelings, and then we'll get the opportunity to help them in their journey perfect their faith as we perfect ours. But we have to humble ourselves to at least acknowledge that I'm not there yet. There's a tremendous genuineness and acceptance when you can look at someone and go, hey, I'm not there yet either. You know what would make this journey easier? is if we did this thing together and we, we took turns carrying each other's weight. But the thing is, is like Jesus tells us, hey, you don't have to carry all that stuff. I've done a lot of it for you already and I would love to come along and carry more of it if we would just let it go. Verse 1, chapter 12, Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside... Every weight. You ever thought about how Hebrews 12 lines up with the story of David? We see Hebrews 11. He goes through all these different people. We get to Hebrews 12 and it's like this rehash, if you really look at it, of the life of David. What does the world want to do? Even good-meaning people. I really believe Saul was like, I don't want to go see that giant. Nobody here wants to go see that giant. But if you're going to go... I can't send you up there without anything. So here's my armor. Think about, you know, you're the king chosen by God, and this little shrimp, maybe I'm just assuming too much, but he's a young guy either way, comes strolling into town to bring his brother something. He's like, I'll go talk to that. I'll go take care of that giant. God's going to take care of that giant. I've been there. Like, there are things I've just not wanted to do, and like the least qualified person says, I'll go do that. And it's like, And that makes me feel this tall. That's my job. I should be doing that. Well, at the very least, I'll give you this. David says, no, that's just going to keep me from being able to do what I need to do. I don't need that extra baggage to go do what God is going to give the victory. God's either going to win this for me or he won't. And if I die, guess what? Go be with him anyways. But so often we're so comfortable and we're so consumed with what we got here, man, we just can't stand the thought of letting it go. And some of that's legit. We love people. There are people that we love. There are even people that we love that don't return the favor, right? Let us lay aside anything that besets us. How committed are we called to be to God to set aside everything? Paul says that Jesus emptied himself of everything. So that being equal with God was not something that would keep him from going to the cross. 
Like, we can't even, but we can. And that's the amazing thing, right? That's what the Psalms are. A lot of the Psalms are just complaining. Hey, this stinks. You said. You said. And Jesus comes along and goes, oh yeah, you can say that to me. But just understand, no one has set aside more than I have. For what? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. There's that initiation and perfection. Who for the what? I want you all to say that with me. Who for the joy? Who for the who for the joy set before him? What did he have to do to get to the joy? The hard part, right? What does our society say? Oh, there is no hard. Just skip the hard part. Just stay right where you're at. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Don't go do that. What did Peter himself say to Jesus? No way. Why? You, the Romans? These are the guys that we want to get rid of. They're going to kill you? This is the way this plan always goes. Some guy shows up. He's the Messiah until he gets crucified, and then he's not. And Jesus says, oh, no, that's absolutely the plan. Like, this is how I show you that I'm the Messiah, is that they kill me and I come back. Those other guys, they're still in the tomb. Hebrew writer says what? David's still in the tomb. Jesus is not. There's the difference. We're talking about similarities. The joy that was set before him. What was that joy? That joy's name's Philip Cooper. Joy's name is Tom Dill. The real deal. Tom Dill. That Joy's first name, Susan Hudson. And he said, you know what? It, whatever it takes. You ever been there? Whatever it takes. I begin this mantra with my students. Like, you finish what you start. In 2022, if you make the decision to finish what you start, you're light years ahead of everybody else, regardless of your talent, regardless of your ability. And there's nobody who better examples that than Jesus. David said, hey, I love you, God. I'm there for you. And he touched all the bases of all the big sins, right? And David was humble. He, he admitted it. I think that's the difference. Jesus said he was tempted in every way like we are and yet did not sin. And instead of going, man, Marshall, why don't you get with the program, bro? Like how I did it. Why can't you do it? And if you can't, I'm going to send... No. He says, I'm going to initiate. I'm going to show you how it's done. And then instead of standing back and going, get with it, I'm going to come and perfect you. I'm going to push you over that finish line. I'm going to drag you over that finish line. I'm going to make you what you never could be without me. And you get a little taste of that, man. That's why the Hebrew writer says, those who've tasted of it and turned back, it's almost impossible to get those people. Because you've tasted the best there is. You've turned away from it? That's how stubborn we can be and probably sheep-like if we had that conversation. Looking to Jesus and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about God showing up through Samuel and saying, you're the guy. You're going to be the king of Israel. And then it taking 40 years to get there. And we go, man, David, you sure messed up. I'm like, well, at the very least, he had more patience than I did. 
I'd rather you just not tell me I'm going to be king, Ben, until I'm there. I don't want to do none of this running around, hiding in caves, debating on whether I'm supposed to kill this guy that I really love or not. I don't want that journey, right? I want the throne right now. Once again, who's, what, what's joy defined as by Jesus? It's always blowing my mind. You know, people come forward and we kind of treat it like a funeral service. And I guess in some ways it is. They're dying to themselves. And the Bible says the angels are flipping out because that's true joy. I don't think that God celebrated the walls of Jericho having to be destroyed because he loved those people at Jericho. But they had chosen to not worship him and follow him. And so there's a consequence to that. It's not that he rejoices. He rejoices when we repent. Think about all the stories of people in the Bible that we would not have given two seconds of our time to, and yet because of God's faithfulness, they're the hero. They come through in the clutch. Gideon, oh, valiant warrior, as you hide your stuff from the enemy. And what's his response? Well, yeah, it would be if you'd done what you were supposed to do. Man, bold. (laughs) I'm not quite sure I'm there yet, or maybe I am. Who knows? Verse 3, who are we supposed to consider when we get tired? Consider yourself when you get tired. Be consumed with who you are and what you're going through. Right? It says, consider the example. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle, I like the, it's not really an assumption, it's just a fact. You're going to struggle, right? And those of us that have lived long enough, that's not a shocking fact. It's going to happen regardless of our belief in God. These people who are ludicrous are like, give your life to the Lord and everything's going to be perfect. Like where? Find me that scripture because I would love to hammer it over and over and over again. In fact, Jesus says, you know, the world's going to hate you, but take heart. I've overcome the world. There's this philosophy out there. There are and and but people. He gets to class on time. And he runs a sub four, sub 540. He, he runs a sub, you know, 540, but he's never in class on time. But he's never on class, in class. See, those are that deal, right? And depending on what day it is, we may vary. See, Jesus is all about the and. And this. And that. Like, I love this person and sure they make mistakes and I'm going to be there for them regardless. I'm going to be, I'm going to annoy them to no end because I love them too much to let them go. And so those of us that go to hell will go there because God's just honoring our choice. We've chosen ourselves over him. We consider him who endured sinners from such hostility. Weary in your struggle against your sin, have you not resisted the point of shedding your blood? Have you forgotten the exhortation and dresses as your son? He goes on to read the Proverbs there. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? I don't have any at my house that I love and don't discipline. I hate to discipline, right? I, I just, 
man, I hate it. I hate spending time doing it. But there comes a point where you're like, you got to do it because you love them too much to let them do the stupid things. And so God is going, hey, I love you too much to keep letting you do the stupid things. But if you want to have it, I'll let you have it. But just know I'm always here. I thought so much about my kids when they want to come to me. And I hope that always stays the case. Regardless of what they've done and how much disappointment I may feel in what they've done, they can always come to me. And yeah, I'm going to discipline them, but it's because I love them. And they know that at some point, maybe years down the line. But understand, God has done all of the heavy lifting on the front end so that when the discipline comes inevitably, you know who is for you. I want to finish this morning with Psalm 100. And just think about these last few verses specifically. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. I believe you can do that in whatever circumstance you're in. Maybe a song of lamentation. But you know you can take it to the Lord. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. There's a lot of people in the world who struggle with their identity. And if we're honest with ourselves, we do the same. It just may not be the same one. And here in Psalm 100, he tells us what your identity is. Everything else is incidental. Your parents may not be the best parents in the world. Welcome to the club. I am every day feel like I'm one of the worst there is. Right? You go to that DCS office and they're like, hey, you're some of the best ones we've ever had. And you look at Whitney and you go, wow, that says a lot about the others. Guess what? We're all on the journey. My mom's still learning things, right? That's why she's so stinking smart. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> right? We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. That's how He looks at you. Regardless of how you feel this morning, that's how He looks at you. Precious, valuable, worth initiating And not only initiating and giving you an opportunity, but walking you through it. Dragging you through it. That's how He looks at you. And what does He want from us? Think in comparison to what He's done, what little He wants from us. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Think about what we say and the impact we feel it has around our world. Like I know how I wanted the last Tuesday to go. It did not go the way I wanted it to. Whatever it is. I think about Bailey's situation. That didn't go the way we wanted to, but man, are we blessed that it went, and we're blessed to have that. And there are not a lot of people in the world who don't right now, struggling with that, who don't have that outcome. Verse 5, for the Lord is good. Think about the things we can say that about. I can't say that about myself. I have my good days, maybe my good five minutes if I'm really uh, on my toes. Not all the time. 
God is good. His steadfast, don't forget the meaning of that word, love endures once again forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Think about all generations. Think about history and all the bad spots. Decades. Eras. We literally have a time in history called the Dark Ages. And God's faithfulness and steadfast love is chesed keeps coming after us. So wherever you are today, maybe entering His gates with thanksgiving is the easiest thing for you today. Maybe you just came here and you're like, man, I'm on fire for the Lord. I can't be more thankful if my head was... I mean, it might explode from how much thankfulness I have. Or maybe you're like on the other end of the spectrum. That doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change how He sees you and what He wants for your life. If you'll simply submit yourself to it. He just wants you to choose Him. And what, when looking at it, seems like the easiest, most simple choice you could ever make. I know the difficulty of stepping out in faith. Because we're just timid. It's just who we are. We have a spirit of power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead wants to live in you throughout all your moments. The good the bad and the ugly. He's done all those things to be with you through it all. So if there's a way we can serve you, that we can encourage you, that we can wrap our arms around you or from a distance give a high five, uh, we would love to do that as well. Uh, We love to celebrate uh, with you, but we will live in that mourning period with you as well. If you have a need, why don't you come as we stand and sing.